Chapter 12 Despite the fact that Aang's determined march kept them in the wake of the golden wash of light, Yue couldn't help but feel the creep of those twisted shadows. There were a few times she was forced to skirt their edges, and just standing close to the darkness chilled her to the bone. And the whispers! She saw no other beings but Aang, and yet she was convinced there was something else out there, watching them, following them. Hello! Aang shouted once more, as he did every few yards. Nothing answered back, but Yui could swear the whispers in the trees grew louder. No, not whispers, more like giggles. Whatever was out there was laughing at them. She dropped her hand to her side and groped for her boomerang. For a moment, she felt empty air until her fingertips closed on the cool ivory. She drew her weapon and prepared for battle. Show yourself, she commanded. The mocking laughter continued. Yue narrowed her eyes and concentrated on locating the source of the sound. Aang tensed beside her, eyes darting every which way. "'Show myself!' called a voice, high-pitched like a child. The voice seemed to be coming from the tallest tree. Yue adjusted her aim. "'Why?' She sent the weapon careening towards the source. "'Should I?' Only now the voice came from the willow tree behind her. "'Do that!' She caught the rebounding boomerang and spun, trying to track the speaker. "'You want to hurt me!' accused the voice, with childish petulance from the vine-covered banyan. Aang reached up and rested his hand on Yue's left, urging her to lower the weapon. "'We're sorry,' he called out. "'My friend is just a little tense. I promise we don't want to hurt you.' Yue had to disagree on that point. As far as she was concerned, their stalker was the one who had to do the convincing. She didn't respond to Aang's increased pressure, but shifted farther into a battle-ready position. "'This is the first person we've met,' whispered Aang. "'We can't scare him off.' The Avatar had a point. She lowered the boomerang, but didn't return it to its sheath. Aang frowned and nodded meaningfully at her sheath. She glared at him in turn, and his shoulders slumped, reluctantly accepting that was as far as she was willing to go. "'See?' he called out. "'No harm meant.' There was no response. "'I'm sorry if we frightened you.' He bowed and nudged her to do the same. My name is Aang, and my friend here is Yue. We've come to the spirit world for help. Why do you need help? You're the ones who broke it. Broke it, broke it, broke it, mocked the speaker. He dropped down from his hiding place in the gnarled banyan, a monkey with an incredibly long tail. The creature hooked the tail around a branch and started swinging upside down in the non-existent breeze. I know you, Avatar Roku. You don't need my help. I'm not Roku. My name is Aang. But you're still the Avatar! shouted the monkey triumphantly. The balance is your job! He started swinging faster and faster. And now it's gone a wibbly wobbly whoops! With the last word, the monkey dropped down onto the branch beneath him. He paced back and forth, the tail lashing about. Everybody's gone or run away. There's no one left to play. And it's all your fault! Aang swallowed hard and fell back. Yue glared at the monkey spirit. It's not. If you want to blame anyone, blame the Fire Nation. The monkey swung from tree to tree until he could drop down in front of her face. Yue met the upside-down eyes of the creature without flinching. Who are you? he demanded. She stiffened her spine and answered, I am Princess Yue, the next moon spirit. The monkey laughed and released his grip on the branch above them. Yue cried out as he used her head as a springboard to launch himself to another tree. Moon spirit? If you're the moon spirit, I'm the ocean. He waggled his tail lewdly. Wanna dance? 
Yue glared at the creature and resisted the urge to renew her attack. She was a diplomat as well as a warrior. She could show a little restraint. She's not the moon spirit yet, Aang replied. That's why we need help. The monkey continued playing with the willow fronds. So? So she needs to discover how to become the moon spirit, said Aang. Why? Yue pivoted to meet the monkey straight on. You said it yourself. The balance is upset. Restoring the moon will help correct that. Ah, ah, sing song the creature. There's more. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell me, tell me, tell me true. I am a princess of the warrior tribe. My people are under attack, and without the power the moon gives them, they'll die. And if they go, there will be no one left to fight the Fire Nation. Then why don't you do it? Up, up, and away to the moon you go. Because I don't know how, Yue shouted. The monkey laughed. You don't know? You don't know? Why don't you know? Come on, Aang, snapped Yue. She pulled him along despite his protests. Let's go. There has to be someone who can help. That won't work, shouted the monkey. It's better than staying here, she answered without turning around. More of that infernal laughter followed her. You can't be where you need to be until you want to be there. Yue stopped short when the creature appeared in front of her again. The monkey said, I told you this was all your fault. With that, he scampered back into the trees and vanished. Yue hissed and kept walking, Aang in tow. She didn't have time for this. Under Zuko's guidance, the three made it to the outskirts of the camp. The bombs had largely stopped falling after sunset, but airships still lurked in the sky. Refugees were split into several different groups as they retreated, heading to some chosen rendezvous point. The swamp might kill them, but that was a fate they were willing to risk in the face of the one that hovered above them. Zuko chose one such group at random and peered into the crowd, looking for his uncle. Ushi adjusted the weight of her brother on her back and turned hopefully towards her companion. What is it? Do you see my father? Zuko's stomach turned to the reminder. Somehow she had missed Bao's death. There would be time enough later to give her that news. Until then, he'd let her believe otherwise. When she asked again, he managed a short and sharp, No, I didn't see him. How many had the rebels lost? That there were this many still walking at all shocked him. He saw signs of the wounded limping along with the support of their comrades, or being carried on stretchers. The dead, of course, would be left to burn. In the days before the comet, that would have troubled those of earth and water as profane. But fire remained the greatest guarantee against the restless dead rising. The smell of burning flesh filled the air as much as the ash did. Was his uncle lying back there? Iroh had been next to where Bao fought his last stand. He tightened his grip on Ushi's hand as they stumbled along with the retreat. He expected the flight into the swamp to be a disorganized and chaotic mess, but the rebels surprised him. A select few held back and offered a degree of direction, guiding the refugees along a set path, one that they'd likely selected beforehand in case of the worst. Soldiers patrolled along the edges, ready to fight the dangers that remained on the ground. The Fire Nation wasn't the only menace. At least the screams of the blood-curdle bird were absent. Undoubtedly, the creatures had flown to a safer part of the swamp. Daddy? Zuko looked up at the figure approaching his little band. There was no way Bao could have survived that hit, and indeed, the man bore no resemblance to him except for the wishes of a hopeful survivor. But he was someone Zuko knew. Haru, he shouted, letting go of Ushi's hand to reach out and clasp the fellow survivor. Haru offered a weary smile in response. His mustache was now droopy and bedraggled, nothing like the polished appearance he'd sported earlier. 
Ushi ran forward and latched onto his waist. In the absence of her father, she was willing to accept substitutes. Haru patted her on the head, and with a deft gesture, scooped Liang up into his arms. The boy buried his face into Haru's matted hair. Zuko studied the other man. Haru was battered and bloodied, but still standing. "'What's the news?' he asked, matching steps as they continued the march forward. Haru sighed and shifted Liang onto his shoulder. "'Not good. After—' He flicked his eyes down at Ushi, who struggled to walk without letting go. After the golem fell, the order was given to retreat. Whatever weapon the council was hoping Yue would produce didn't come forward in time. Zuko nodded and asked Haru, "'Have you seen my uncle?' "'General Iroh?' The healers have him. Not that they can do much. Realizing how that sounded, Haru qualified his statement. I wouldn't be too worried. He's fit to walk, last I heard. Zuko let out a sigh of relief. Haru added, Rumor has it that he's the one who got Mei Ling to declare a retreat. Now that's a conversation I'd have liked to hear. Zuko waved away the story of his uncle's exploits. The healers? He prompted. Haru understood. Up ahead. You managed to pick the right brute to catch up with him. You'll keep an eye on them? He asked, gesturing towards the kids. Haru had barely finished nodding before Zuko started running. He sprinted past the struggling line of rebels until he could make out the unmistakable silhouette of his uncle. His uncle was leaning on a woman even older than him, but Zuko knew Iroh anywhere. Uncle! He cried out, hurrying to his side. Iroh's entire left shoulder was covered in a crude bandage. He reached out and offered his support. Uncle, let me help you. Iroh turned towards him. Zuko, what are you doing here? You need to find Azula. She's here. I saw her. He keeps saying that, said the woman. She shook her head with disapproval, graying hair loops swaying back and forth. I'd say he's delirious, but we haven't had any medication to give him, and he hasn't lost enough blood for that. I am not delirious, Kana, Iroh said sharply. Tired and in pain but not delirious. Someone came down from that fleet, and there is every reason to believe it was the Fire Lord. She was headed towards the Great Tree. The Great Tree? Why was that important? Great Tree. Great Tree. Aang! Zuko let go of his uncle's arm. Haven't they come back yet? No. And if Azula finds them, it would be a disaster. There was no way Aang could stand against Azula. For the second time in the space of a day, Zuko ran off and left a conversation unfinished. Nothing more needed to be said. His uncle's shout of, Be careful! echoed in his ears as he raced to the center of the swamp. Azula cleared the final log of the incline that led to her target, lips curling into a smile. Earlier she had bemoaned the lack of the personal touch, and now she had the opportunity for a more hands-on approach. And what a treat greeted her on her arrival! The avatar was resting on the bull of an enormous tree, an intense light emanating from him. The boy was vulnerable, hers to capture and kill as she pleased, and he was not alone. Lying not far from him was the rebel bitch whose escape started this whole mess. That erstwhile princess was equally unconscious. The only thing missing from this tableau was the body of her brother. There was a slight inconvenience, and that the rebels hadn't left such valuable prey wholly unguarded, but the soldier who had started at her entrance was beyond pathetic. She dropped the glider and dodged the arrows he'd loosed in quick sequence with ease, taking cover by yet another ubiquitous route. When the earth didn't start buckling beneath her feet, or fire sore from overhead, unlikely, but her brother wasn't the only traitor to the Fire Nation. Azula sprang to her feet, 
A ball of fire at the ready. The soldier realized his danger and began to duck. But it was too late. He screamed when the flames made contact. He made a valiant effort and tried to charge her, but that just made it easier to pour on the fire. She stepped over his charred corpse a minute later, ready to get on to business. She eyed her targets with consideration. Azula debated just frying them then and there, but found herself drawing her knife instead. She wasn't in the habit of missing. Her lip curled at the memory of her last fight with the miserable rebel princess. But there was no sense in giving the swamp a chance to react. There had been no retaliation for the soldier's death. But then, he wasn't the one presumably bonding with the spirits. Wild things were the most unpredictable, after all, which is why they had to be broken or destroyed. She strode towards the pair, blade at the ready. First the woman's throat, and then she'd decide on the value of a dead avatar. Killing him in the avatar state would be unwise, but letting him go was out of the question. She prepared for the kill, grasping Yue's head by those ridiculous braids she sported to bare her throat. All she needed was a clean strike. A burst of flame slammed into her knife, forcing her to drop it. So much for avoiding interruptions. She released the body and turned to meet her attacker. And smiled. Today really was her lucky day. There stood Zuzu, conscious, unfortunately, but she would soon remedy that. Before he could start a no-doubt fascinating speech, she attacked. She wouldn't want her victory to be too easy, did she? Zuko's lungs were burning when he reached the giant banyan tree under which he knew Yue lay. Was he too late? He stifled a curse when he tripped, the body of Yahi crumbling at his feet. Azula was here, but who else had she killed? The whole clearing was bathed in an uncanny blue glow, emanating from the other side of the tree, but all he could see was up on the ridge of a massive trunk root where Azula crouched over Yue, a knife in her hand. Aang was nowhere in sight. He pushed that thought away and focused on Azula with a flick of his wrist. He sent a jet of flame straight at her raised hand. She dropped the blade and snarled. Zuko rolled to his left, dodging the ribbons of flame that snapped towards his face. Heat rushed along his right side. If he had been a hair slower, this fight would have been over before it had begun. He rose to a crouch and launched himself at Azula, zigzagging to avoid her attacks. I was wondering when you'd show up, she taunted easily sidestepping his flurry of fireballs. Today is my lucky day. Glad I didn't disappoint, snapped Zuko, continuing his race up the incline. Azula's assault forced him to dodge, making it all the harder to see where Azula was, where her other targets were. She'd been standing practically on top of Yue, but he still had seen no signs of the kid. What did you do with Aang? he demanded, when he reached the ridge. Aang? she asked before sending a series of flame daggers his way. Who the hell is Aang? The boy, Zuko gritted out, evading the flying knives. Oh, him? She rolled her eyes. Nothing. Do you honestly believe I would harm a hair on the Avatar's head? We both know how much father would appreciate his capture. Zuko skidded to a halt, inches before the fireball that exploded in the space he had been about to occupy. What do you mean, the Avatar? Don't play stupid with me said Azula. The brat you brought with you for the foray into treason. I'd make a speech here about helping me take him in to regain your honor or something, but we both know that ship has sailed. So really, all that's left is for me to kill you, and then that upstart princess, and bring the Avatar in myself. Zuko feigned to the right, then vaulted over an enormous root, cracking a whip of fire at Azula. She dodged it easily, but now at least he was between her and his friends. 
What did she mean, Aang was the Avatar? That was ridiculous. Aang was just another orphan firebender, who was lying against the tree as unconscious as Yue. Except, Yue wasn't glowing like that. Azula read his expression and started laughing. You didn't know? Oh, that is just too good! How long did you spend looking for him? Two years? Three? She stopped laughing and wiped a tear from her eye. At least you'll die knowing you weren't a total failure. You found the Avatar after all. And then she attacked once more. Unfortunately, their encounter with the monkey spirit didn't herald any other meeting with a more helpful denizen of the spirit world. If possible, the situation was even worse. Yue was willing to swear that they were walking in circles. She no longer worried about the demented geography of this place, however. All that mattered was either completing her transformation to the moon spirit or getting out of this place so she could return to her people and at least help them as a mortal woman. Assuming she had a body to return to, for all she knew it was too late. What had that creature said? Something about not getting where you needed to be unless you wanted it? Which made no sense. If that was all it took, wouldn't she be the moon spirit by now? She wanted it. Wanted to add another weapon to her people's arsenal. Wanted this to be over. Yue flashed on the vision of Twi she'd had before. Why couldn't the blasted fish appear to her now, now that she was so completely lost? This is the fifth time we've passed that tree, she announced, glaring at the forked banyan she'd been seeing far too often. No, it's not, Aang argued. See, you're thinking of the one that has an extra long branch on the left. This one is on the right. That's because we're standing on the opposite side. It's the same tree. It's the same clearing. And we're going nowhere. Yue kicked at the ground. The moss divot she'd made faded in moments, the ground healing itself over. She cursed in frustration. If I didn't think it would make things worse, I'd almost wish for that blasted monkey to come back here. Aang frowned. Did you really believe what it was saying? About this being my fault? For the last time, Aang, this is not your fault. Blame Ozai and Azula and Zhao if you want to blame anyone. But we can't pin this on you. You were asleep. The worst happened. Yue collapsed onto the ground. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe the only time I could have become the moon spirit was right after Twee died. And now there's nothing left for me to do. We might as well figure out how to get back to the mortal world and start working there. Because this isn't doing any good. I guess. Aang fiddled with his robes a moment. After all, I'm still an airbender. I bet I can make sure all those airships don't go anywhere near the camp. It's a better plan than chasing our tails here. She stood up. The only question is, which way is out? I don't know. Maybe we need to think out really loudly? You mean we leave if we want it bad enough? Yue paused, considering the words. Want it bad enough? Was that what the monkey had meant? She looked down at the ground. Maybe this really is all my fault. Huh? Aang turned towards her. Maybe I don't want to be the moon spirit, she said in a quiet voice. Not enough. I thought I did. I thought I was willing to make whatever sacrifice was necessary. I always have before. I lost my father. I gave up Sokka. I never left to seek a life outside of the rebellion. Is it any wonder I finally found my limits? That doesn't mean it's your fault, said Aang. Becoming the moon spirit? That's a lot to ask of someone. I still can't believe Iroh and Hu and Paku are telling you to do that. There's got to be another way to do this. Maybe just being here is enough to take the spirit piece out of you, and now we can leave and go back home without anybody dying. Aang. She will not die. On hearing the new voice, Yue spun around, seeking its source. This wasn't the cackle of the monkey spirit, 
but rather the wise and mature tones of a man. But there was no one she could see. If that is what you fear, put your worry to rest. A caterpillar does not die when it becomes a butterfly, continued the unseen speaker. Disrupting the balance is the only thing here to be worried about. The voice seemed to be coming from somewhere near Aang, but he was standing alone on the path, just at the edge of a pool of water. Yue walked closer, her confusion matched by Aang's. With nowhere left to look, she peered into the water, expecting to find some sort of spirit there, a salamander toad, perhaps. Instead, she was greeted by her own reflection, but not Aang's. Where Aang should have been shimmered the image of an old man with long white hair, dressed like a firebender from a century ago. She drew back in alarm to see one such as that there, fumbling for her boomerang. "'And what would that do, exactly?' asked the firebender, his shape rising out of the water to hover above it, though he remained translucent. Yue didn't answer, but gripped her weapon all the more. Aang stared at the new face, a flicker of recognition crossing his own. "'I know you, don't I?' he said. He mulled over that thought for a moment. "'Was I once you?' "'Indeed.' the firebender answered with a nod. Yue glared at the apparition. I take it you are the previous avatar? Avatar Ragu? Roku, the man answered coolly. And now that we've established my identity, I have to say this to my replacement. I am sorry for what happened before, but now my mess is your responsibility, and you must begin by accepting what must be done to right this balance, by yourself and everyone else. I'm trying, protested Aang. He seemed to wilt beneath the stare of his previous incarnation. He is, affirmed Yue. It's not as if we have a lot to go on, unless you have some more practical advice to give. You already know what to do, Roku said. This immature would-be avatar, however, is preventing you from doing it. But I thought, this is my fault. Aang has nothing to do with my inability to become the moon spirit. He had everything to do with it. You've said it yourself. You've always done your duty. You wish to do your duty right now, but there's something holding you back. He doesn't want you to leave, and with his poorly controlled power, he can arrange that. He is right here! shouted Aang. You ran away. You must stop running, and you must stop dragging others in your wake. It was my failure to do my duty that allowed Sozin to begin what he did. Don't make the mistake I did, Aang, and let your feelings lead you astray. Yue closed her eyes. He's right, Aang, she said. No, he's not! he argued. Aang folded his arms and glared at his previous incarnation. We need you. I need you. You do need me, Yui said gently. You need me in the sky, with the moon alive and well. You told me so yourself, Aang. The world is sick and it needs to get better. Restoring the moon is the first step. But you'll be gone, in a small voice, Aang added. Like everybody else. Roku scowled. Listen to yourself. There's more at stake here than your own personal. You're not helping, said Yue. The spirit huffed and turned away. She reached out to touch Aang's cheek. I won't be beside you anymore, but you won't be alone. Not anymore. You have Zuko, Iroh, and who knows how many other people you haven't even met yet. Somewhere out there is even your bison, and if I don't leave you, none of that will be safe. Aang swallowed. I know. That's the worst part. But it's not fair. No, it's not. But you can change that, Aang. Make it fair. Make it right. Go back there and fix things. As the Avatar? As Aang. She said with firmness, embracing him. We must both do what we have to do. 
I must do this on my own, alone. She pressed her boomerang into his hand. Keep this. You can give it to Sako when you see him. I'd like him to have it. She stepped away, the flood of realization surging over her. Her mistake had been spending this journey with Aang when she should have accepted her fate on her own. She thought the Avatar would be able to show her the way. But really, it was the other way around. He would be fine without her. Already she could see him fading, returning to the mortal world. She ran off into the mist and felt the spark of Twee within her sing out, engulfing her and bringing her into a new world.